Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Now, your host, Jim Shoemaker. Whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, it doesn't seem to matter. A common concern is always money. Well, I'll tell you, today we've got a program that we really are answering questions. And this first question, it's amazing. It's a very good question. And it it literally sets us up for the whole program because I think that what really that's going on here is Mary asked the question simply because I felt like when I read it, it was like, I don't want to know what to ask. And her question literally is, I want to know what do I need to know when I'm selecting an advisor, she says. What do I need to know when I'm selecting an advisor? Well, that's a, I mean, you know, that's that's a question that we kind of take for granted. But if you just think about it, it's an important question. And let me remind you, if you do have questions for us, send them to Talk Money at shoemakerfinancial.com or you can send them to the Rick's Powder Coating text line 6830989. It's 901-683-0989. Be sure to say it's to Jim Shoemaker. That's Rick's Powder Coating text line 6830989. We'll get your answer to you on for when you ask the question. We'll spend the energy and the effort and we'll make sure that we air your question on the air. Well, to get this question answered, I have the expert in the studio with me. He's a certified financial planner. He is uh, hes uh, one of those special guys because he can, he, he can deliver it when it's needed. Scott Jordan, as always, sir, welcome to the program. Great to be here, Jim. Yeah, well, I was kind of looking around for that expert you were talking about. <laughs> that expert's you, <laughs> I didn't man. know who was coming in the studio. Well, you know, think about it this way. You've got this enormous amount of experience and expertise, and yet you know that people do ask this question, and this person, when they ask it, Mary's just simply, you can tell Mary wanted to know the question. She just says, I don't even know the language, and I understood that part. Absolutely. So when she says, what questions do I need to ask when I'm selecting an advisor, Let's start with that. We got some other things we'll cover about, you know, investing and some things about building a portfolio. And we're actually going to offer a PDF later on in the program that we want to make sure everybody gets a copy of if they want it. It's but what really? What questions do I need to ask when I'm selecting a financial professional? I think it's a great question. I, I would take a step back because I think first you have to determine, you know, can you truly profit from engaging uh, somebody for investment advice? So. You know, I think it's, okay, am I going to have a better successful outcome? I'm going to have a more successful outcome by doing this myself, or should I engage a professional for investment advice? And when you make that decision, you know, I, of course, I may be a little biased in that, but I see, when I see investors struggle, they, they usually, I think they come at it, first of all, they don't have realistic expectations. They don't have an investment process or guiding principles that determine those investment decisions and they operate without a plan. And I think I think I see that more so in the do-it-yourself world where they've just kind of jumped into the investment. So I think you you jump back and say, can I profit from an investment advice? And then, then it can become kind of intimidating. And I think I understand where the question is coming from. It's like, 
I don't know where to start. I don't know what to ask. What do I need to, to look for in this professional I'm looking for? You know, people think about this, and I'm talking to you, our listener. You think about this. You actually, it is t- sometimes tough because you're asking questions that you don't really know exactly what the answer should be, and sometimes you don't know the language. And I understand that. I think that's the problem that we see with a lot of people. And so I understand that if you don't know enough about what you're about to do, we end up, I do this, Scott. Mm-hmm. I stop. I yeah. just back I, off. I think that can cause indecision and just like I don't, I don't even want to go down that road because I don't know where to begin. Start with some of the questions that you see that are critical. Well, you know, going back to can I truly profit from investment advice? Well, I ask that because investment advice does come at a cost, right? If you're going to engage a professional, there's going to be some sort of a cost around engaging that professional. So I think... You know, when you've decided to engage that professional, I would start, I would want to know how they are going to make money because like it or not, the kind of advice you're going to receive is going to, it's bound to be influenced a little bit about, by how the professional is getting paid, right? I'm not trying to promote one way over another. I'm just saying it's good to understand how they're getting paid. No advice comes for free. So if you're not if you don't directly see the cost, it's in there somewhere. So you need to understand kind of how advisors are paid. So you're talking about fee or commission? Yeah. Okay. So th- those are the two most common, you know, some sort of a fee or a fee-based uh, a compensation structure, or I'm, I'm going to buy some sort of investment product that is going to provide a commission to that investment professional. Let me say this to you. You can literally ask that question. You don't ever hesitate. What Scott's going to do this for you is to give you questions that you just need to write them down and you can ask these questions don't be intimidated and think oh i can't ask that no 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 this is a question you should ask so number one how is you're getting paid how are you making money in the relationship if i'm working with you that's the question and i I think as a as as a financial professional i I would want to be transparent about that and you want to make sure that it's clearly understood and that the person you're doing business with, they, that they don't have a problem with the way you're compensated. I so I don't think it's an unfair question at all. As a matter of fact, I think it needs to come out and, and you need to clearly understand how they're getting paid. Excellent. Okay. What's question number two? Well, this one, well, this is one that probably wouldn't just come to top of mind, but what standard are you operating under? Now, let me, let me, un, let me unpack that okay, a little all right, bit standard. because there's, you know, there's two broad categories of how investment professionals operate. One is called a fiduciary and one is operates under what's called the suitability standard. Now, is that clear? Do you understand? Kind <laughs> totally. Of the- <laughs> I'm sure Mary's going, I got it. Right. She's I got like, it. what? Um, so let, let me unpack those a little bit. So if somebody is operating under, under a fiduciary standard, now they, that means they must act in your best interest. The, the person that is engaging them for service, they must act in your best interest at all times. Now you would think that would be, well, of course, right? Uh, but you know, that is that fiduciary standard is what sets that by legal definition, how that person has to operate. So Mary is saying to the person, Mm -hmm. are you a fiduciary or are you work from a suitability standard? The fiduciary must always act in their best interest. Always suitability, a little less stringent. Uh, they still have to recommend products and services that you are suitable for. 
and uh, and you know, but that is also just suitable at the time of the transaction. So if if they recommend a product or service to you, it has to be suitable at the time of transaction. Now let me step back for a minute and say, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not trying to challenge the ethics of anybody that's operating under any, either one of these standards. So they, you're saying that one's not better than the other. No, just understand. Not, not necessarily. A, just a, understand that. are answering Mary's question. Right. That's, that's where that advice comes from. What, what standard are you operating from? Because if somebody's willing to step up and be a fiduciary again, that means they must always legally be acting in your best interest at all times. And there's, you know, it gets a little deeper than that. There's, there's prudence that has to be followed, due diligence. So it's just a higher standard that they are operating under. And it's no reason whatsoever not to answer that question. I, I mean, would definitely want to know the answer to that want question. An answer. Absolutely. All right. Am I commission or am I fee-based? Am I working as a fiduciary or am I suitable? Those are the two main questions you've done so far. What's number three? I think the next thing I would want to know is I would want to dig into their investment philosophy. How do they make investment decisions? How are they going to be managing your money? Because you want to make sure that you are engaging in a professional that is aligned to, to your investment philosophy. Now, you may... Uh, depending on your your expertise level in the subject, you may not really understand a lot about investments, but you want to clearly understand how they're going to be investing your money. Uh, what sort of a discipline process do they have in place? You know, are they following some of the time tested principles like asset allocation, diversification, not putting all of my eggs in one basket, rebalancing the portfolio over time? I would want them to clearly explain their investment philosophy how they operate. Um, are they investing your money personally? Are they seeking outside investment managers to handle pieces of the portfolio? Those are the kind of things you'll want to know when you're engaging an investment professional. If you just tuned in, my guest is Scott Jordan, Certified Financial Planner. We're asking, answering Mary's question that, that I think fits for anybody's question. And if you want to just remind you that you can send us a question to Rick's Powder Coating text line, 6830989. That's Rick's Powder Coating text line. Be sure it's addressed to me, Jim Shoemaker, 6830989. Or you can send it to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. Text Rick's Powder Coating text line, 6830989. Or email it to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. I want to remind you to coming up, I have Jill Dyson and Ruth Abigail Smith from Angel Street Ministries here in the city. We always try to feature a ministry about once a month, once every quarter or something, and somebody that's really having an impact on our city. And you're talking to two women that are absolutely in the trenches with people, teaching them music and arts and how to be creative. You don't want to miss that part of the program. But, Scott, when we talk about Mary's question, how do I know the question? What are the questions that I should be asking if I'm trying to select an advisor? You said, first of all, find out commission or, or fee-based. That was one of them. Or the, the idea behind um, fee-based or commission, that's the first one. Then the second one was fiduciary and suitability and then investment philosophy. Is it important to know their credentials? I mean, some. I mean, you're a certified financial planner. I'm a certified financial planner. Obviously, we are biased because we have spent the energy, the time, and the effort, and the money to become certified. But what what should you know about a person's credentials? 
Well, I think I think that is important. That does show a certain level of dedication to the industry. Now, you you and I both know the alphabet soup out there is large. It's it's hard to know what a lot of those uh, letters mean after somebody's name. So, I think it is important. I think it does show a certain dedicated uh, dedication to the industry. It shows that they have sought to seek out additional education that might make them better at their craft. So I think it is important to look at their credentials, but but look those up and understand what they mean. Just because somebody has a bunch of letters at their name, you need to understand, okay, what are those letters, what does that mean, and what does it take to get them? Uh, that's critical. You're, you're a CKA certified kingdom advisor. I'm Correct. a CKA certified kingdom advisor. What does that mean? Because there's not a lot of those here in the city. Well, that particular designation represents someone who has gone through additional study to learn principles of managing finances that are biblically based. So it is a, it's a stringent program. Again, there's, a, there's educa- education requirements along with a certain amount of industry experience. They do require that you have other designations to get it. But it is really zeroed in on biblical principles and how a person who wants to follow biblical principles should manage their money. All right. That's a, that was a mouthful. It was. It? And I was trying to get that out. <laughs> well, I understand that. But I think the key is when you talk about credentials, you're talking about, we just mentioned two, but there's just, you know, several certified financial analysts, certified fund specialists, accredited investment fiduciary. I mean, there's just all kinds, but just ask the question. But yep. one of the questions I think is looking at a person and asking, you know, about their record. Do they have any issues? You can go and find that, of course, you know, by FINRA's broker check. Fender's you broker can do check, that yes. and find out if they've got some history that maybe they don't want to disclose. You need to find that out. That's just for your doing your own due diligence. Absolutely. I always recommend somebody look, look it up. Anybody can be looked up that's in this industry. You just go to the FINRA website and they have a, a little link you can click on there called broker check and you can look up your, your individual and see if they have anything they've had to report. Well, I hope we've answered Mary's question, because I think you've given us some very good insight into selecting a financial professional is number one, you know, how are they paid fee based or commission? That's critical. What's their standard, the fiduciary or suitability? And those are as a great explanation that you gave. And of course, if you want to listen to this, you can go to the podcast and uh, talk money at Shoemaker Financial or talk money with Jim Shoemaker and check that out again if you want to listen to it again. And then you talked about investment philosophy and then credentials. Those are critical. But now I kind of want to slide to a thought because Mary had a second part of the question. She says, how do I select? And I understood her question. And then she says, but I also want to know how do I manage my portfolio? She was a do it herself. And I think mm-hmm. that's understandable. She, You kind of got the sense that maybe she was feeling a little of this fear and pain and thoughts. And so what would you say to her there? Because you could sense it in her email that, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what should I do? Help me. And I think you see this a lot, especially when we're going to, through volatile market times, people start to second guess their ability to maybe do it themselves because you always have to ask, do I have the time to do it? First of all, do I have the talent and do I have the temperament? And I think that last one is one of the most important. You know, I've heard it said that uh, the the muscle used in investing the most important is not the brain it's the stomach because you can <laughs> you can have a lot of knowledge and again when we go through tough times you can start to second guess a lot of that knowledge and you really have to have the patience and temperament to be a long term investor. When you say patience and temperament, let me let me say this to everybody: we're going to offer you a PDF if you simply go to shoemakerfinancial.com. We're going to, we want to offer this to you. You can simply ask you know select it and it'll do the search for it. It's called seven 
Principles of Long-Term Investments. It's a PDF that we want to provide for you. And simply go to the shoemakerfinancial.com, seven principles of long-term investments. And, and I think one of the things for anybody listening, you can take this material and begin to, as, as Scott's talking about this, the temperament, the time, the, the talent. Well, this is about temperament. How do some principles about just building a portfolio and literally, Scott, it talks about the first one, following the herd. We know people that have gotten caught up in that, whether they like it or not. When the market goes up, everybody wants to jump on the bandwagon. That's usually too late. When it's going down, everybody wants to get off. That's usually too late. How do you avoid that? Well, it is very difficult. You know, Stanford did a study um, a few years back, and, and what they found out, what investors fear most is not keeping up with their peers. Now, uh, and, and what people usually, how they usually, what they use for a proxy for that is they look and, you know, they see what's being reported on the news, what the S&P 500 is doing or what particular stocks are doing. And if, and if they're not doing as well as whatever that number is showing, they tend to think they're not keeping up with their peers. And that can lead to this herd behavior of, I better jump on the bandwagon of what everybody else is doing because they're leaving me behind. Now, that's how... That's how we see financial bubbles get formed. You know, the, the people start to pile in at the at the end of probably what will nearly be the end of the cycle. And we saw this a little bit last year with the technology stocks. You know, money really coming out of the pandemic started pouring into a, a lot of the stocks in the technology sector, what they started calling the stay-at-home stocks because, hey, we're all stuck at home. They're going to do well forever, right? So, and, and we see this kind of behavior and, uh, you know, it's, it's that FOMO, that fear of missing out. I'm going to miss out on these returns if I don't hop in there. And that can, that can be devastating to a long-term strategy because a lot of times you're, you're hopping in. You know, the herd gains a lot of steam right before it goes off the cliff. So, you know, I know you talk about that. I think we would say to anybody that gets caught up in that, just be careful not to respond to news reports. Don't get caught right. up with what that's happening. And then be disciplined. Think long term. That's important. And I think that's where working with a professional can help. Somebody who's going to bring that structure and that discipline strategy to the table is susceptible to jump into those trends because it's hard not to. Yeah. I'm telling you, when the media is pounding you, you know, and I, and I see it, you know, we see the market kind of goes into these extremes. In the good times, it's that fear of missing out out and you go through the the volatility or the bad times after the downside volatility nobody complains about upside volatility by the way it's always that downside volatility that they that they get nervous about but when we're going through that you start that fear of loss and and that fear can cause you to make bad long-term financial decisions you know i i so much appreciate you saying that because i think that's the fear that that people i think mary's really discussing this fear and mm -hmm. this whole process of mindset of what's going on so We've kind of covered some of those things about what, how do you ask the questions to the financial professional? You've laid out this first one of following the herd, and we say be careful, don't respond to news reports just because everybody says this is what I saw last night on the news. We got to go do this and be careful and have a long term plan. And that long term plan, you, you mentioned this, and I think it's critical to say again that you, the investor, as you're thinking through this, a long-term plan sometimes can be very difficult to do. It can because, uh, for, first of all, there's a lot of things that you're probably not going to think about, and that's through sitting down with somebody that you trust that you think is knowledgeable in these areas can help you think through a lot of those financial decisions. I always say there are no, inter there are no independent financial decisions. 
Decisions we make financially in one area always affect somewhere else in our financial picture, whether that's spending too much and not saving enough or investing in the wrong places or carrying too much debt. All of those types of decisions can affect our long-term success and what we're trying to accomplish. So having somebody to talk through that, developing that financial plan, I think is the critical first step in investment success. Well, I think that's what I want to do when we come back. If you just tuned in, of course, I'm talking with Scott Jordan, Certified Financial Planner, and we're talking about some fundamentals of investing. We've answered Mary's question, the question that I think is so important for all of us, and it's so kind of critical when you get caught up in this little bit of fear that's going on with the market. Are we going to have a recession? Are we going to, you know, is inflation going to continue to create the problem? And so that creeps into your emotions. And so when we come back, that's going to be the leading question, Scott. What do you do? How do you avoid being an emotional investor? Stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or recommendation. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Helping you make the most of your money. Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker on News Talk 98.9. The S&P is an unmanaged index of 500 large cap stocks. Investors cannot invest in an index. Neither Shoemaker Financial nor Securian Financial Services are affiliated with Jill Dyson, Ruth Abigail Smith, or Angel Street Memphis. The views and opinions expressed are those of Jill Dyson and Ruth Abigail Smith only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Securian Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Now, your host, Jim Shoemaker. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money here on, of course, as you know, this is the 98.9. And I want you to know that you can ask a question if you just want to go to Rick's Powder Coating text line, 901-683-0989. Just make sure you send it to Jim Shoemaker, Rick's Powder Coating Text Lines 0989-683-0989. We'll get your questions on the air. We're answering Mary's questions. You can also send it to Talk Money at Shoemaker Financial. That's an email. One's a text, one's an email. Simply send it to us. We'll get that question on the air. Scott Jordan is my guest. He is doing a phenomenal job of answering the question. And Mary simply said, how do I ask questions. What are the questions I need to ask if I'm selecting a professional? And and, and then we kind of read between the lines because as you could sense what she might be saying here, we think she was saying was not only do I want to know the questions to ask, I am afraid of what's going on. And I appreciate you answered the question. I mean, she literally didn't say fear, but you could sense that that was leading this part of this in, in this question she had. So we talked about being careful to follow the herd when you talk about fundamentals of investing. And again, being an emotional investor is so, so hard when you get this enormous amount of noise in and out. I mean, we're inundated with it, whether it's the media, on the television, the Facebook, TikTok, whatever you want to do, it's there. What do you do, Scott? 
I just want to back up. I'm impressed that you even know TikTok. Hey. So let's just start there. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Hey, no, it, no, it's it, just a term. It, I, it, I don't have a clue. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, it, you know, it, Jim, it has become so difficult not to get caught up in our emotions. We are in this 24-hour news cycle. We're carrying around these little computers, and they're buzzing at us constantly with the fear of the day. You know, it goes from inflation to recession fears to we have wars. There is a lot out there to be concerned about. I always, I always tell clients to kind of picture it like a dartboard. You know, you got the big circle. The circle of concern is large, but the circle of your control, that's that little bullseye in the middle. That's the things you can actually have control over. And that, when, you're, when, you, when you feel those emotions welling up inside, it's important to get back to basics and, and zero thing in on those things you can have control over. You can, can, you can have control over your reaction to the market. You can have control over your discipline as being a saver. You can have control over, I'm going to put in an investment process that's based on principles, and I'm going to stick with that process in good times and bad. All those right. are the things you can control. Those are things you can control. Now, I, I heard that. There's one thing that I think you can control that people want to do, but it's very difficult, and that is literally turn off the media. And that's a that's a tough one. Like I said, it, it's coming at us from a lot of different directions. You know, you'd say, well, turn off your TV in old days, but then your phone's buzzing. Phone's you know, you're getting an alert, and I, I don't even know how I get a lot of these alerts. You know, I'm, I'm looking at my phone, and I know you can go and turn a lot of them off. I have to get one of my kids to do that for me later. But, um, you know, there, it's constant. It, there's constant noise coming at you, and their, their whole goal, and this is not to beat up on the media, their whole goal is to keep you coming back and keep you engaged. So you have to remember that. Their, their goal is not to help you hit your financial goals. Their goal is to get your eyeballs back on whatever they're trying to say. So they will kind of blow things a little bit up in that instance. We talk about this. What about time horizon? That's something that so many people have to understand. If they understood their time horizon, right. you can kind of back away from all the noise. Right. It's important that if you're if you're an investor, a long-term investor, and you're putting money in the stock market or the bond market, I would suggest you be a long-term investor because near-term, nobody knows where the market's going to be. But long-term, the market has a history of producing good returns for those who are patient enough to stick with the process and stay invested. So for money you have invested, this is not money you're going to need next year. Uh, you know, this is not, I'm going to put some money, hope it, hope it grows because I'm planning on buying a house next year. Or I'm planning on buying a car next year. This is long-term money. Now, we're building a portfolio to provide us cash flows for the future. Well, th I think we've gone through this process. I think we've tried to help, you know, Mary answer her questions, and that's good. You know, we've gone through that process. And then we've talked about emotions. We've talked about following the herd. You know, you talk about asset allocation. We talk about rebalancing. All that doesn't guarantee that you're not going to have a lose mar money during a volatile market, but it does give you a peace of mind knowing that you're at least making some some degree of assistance to keep the portfolio balanced and doing what you're trying to do. Seven principles of long-term investments. All you have to do is like us on Facebook, shoemakerfinancial.com, search for this particular PDF and you absolutely can have it for free. Scott, you always do a phenomenal job. I think we've answered Mary's questions. You've given us some great insight 
into really what we do when we talk about long-term investing. Thank Thanks you, for sir. having me, Jim. Always a pleasure. You appreciate it, man. You do a great job. We're going to turn the page, and as I've told you, we were going to feature a ministry. We always do that about once a month, once every two months. We dive into our city and look for someone that is absolutely having an impact on our great city, our hometown, and we so much appreciate the two ladies that are here because when you talk about an impact, this is an impact that you cannot just, you need to know about it. I am so privileged to have with me this morning Jill Dyson and Ruth Abigail Smith. Jill is the founder and developing direct development director, and Ruth Abigail is the executive director and co-founder of Angel Street Memphis. Ladies, it is such a privilege to have you. Thank you for joining me this morning. Thank you, Jim. We're really glad to be here. It's always good to come back and visit, and thank you so much for having us. Well, let's do this. I want to start out, and, and, and I'll just lean in with you, Ruth Abigail, because the uh, bottom line is I want to talk about Angel Street, Memphis. Okay, now I guarantee you, if I'm people listening right now, you're thinking, you're thinking this. I know Angel Street, not the streets of Memphis. That's not possible. It is possible because Ruth Abigail and Jill Dyson are making it happen. Angel Street, Memphis, what are we talking about? So Angel Street is an organization that builds creative leaders through musical training and mentorship. And we do it um, uh, in in the heart of North Memphis, and that's the that's the long and short of it. That's what we do. We've been around for about nine years, and what we do is we um we have we do music and we do mentorship and we do it with girls and it's it's a lot of fun. I tell you, I'd love to be a part. I mean, <laughs> I have listened to you. You've been in the office. You you've done this. I've I've watched you for years. And Jill, this was something that came out of your mind, uh, you know, years ago, and it was kind of a, a vision that God laid on your heart, called you to it, equipped you for it, and the successes have just been one after another. Tell me about what you consider to be kind of the impact on Angel Street with you personally, what's it little, but also for the girls. Well, it's it's been almost 10 years. We'll be celebrating wow. that next December, and that blows my mind. It does, It has yes. been a journey. Um, yeah, and it de- definitely started as a seed that that grew because of dynamic leaders from our team and our founding members, uh, Ruth Abigail Smith and uh, Mary Jo Green, uh, just worked really hard in the first few years to make sure that um, we occupied a space to build leaders through music. Um, being product of the arts, myself and Ruth Abigail specifically, we know the value it had in our lives um, of, of making us who we are as leaders. And by providing it in areas that have limited access to those opportunities, we think that um, it's a game changer. And we have a vision that all girls in Memphis will have access equally to the opportunity. You know, there's, there's ministries. We do Rise to Read, which mm-hmm. teach kids how to read. We've talked about the Neighborhood Christian Center. We have them other other ministries. You guys have carved out a specific, or obviously it's North Memphis. It's an area that uh, needs you guys. No question the ministry's need is there is tremendous. But what you've done is music. Now, you know, let me ask you this. Um, do you find that in the public school system today that music, when I was in college and high school and you guys too, music seemed to be, prevalent was there it was important do you see it that way now i mean you, ruth abigail do you see it as, as they're in the public school system yeah unfortunately um the importance is not 
uh, it's not acted upon. I think a lot of people believe that it's important, but I think over the years, what we've seen is that we've put more emphasis on academics and on behavior and things like that. And so unfortunately, the impact of the arts isn't um, viewed as necessary right, in our public schools like it used to be. And, and I think one of the things that we've been talking a lot about is what we're able to do with a creative space and what a creative space actually does for young people and particularly for girls. And it gives them the opportunity to play, which is, and gives them the opportunity to learn how to interact with each other and make decisions and um, just be, be creative, right, and, and to learn in a different way, which unfortunately now most public schools don't, have it's much more rigid it's much more um you know that that doesn't and that doesn't touch every area of a child and so we are privileged to be able to um fill that gap uh but personally i think we both would love to see music back in schools it's such a it's such a need and kids learn from it they learn all kinds of things from it it's a it's an educational process that it's maybe not math or, or writing or you know that but it is a part of anybody's well-being it's that well-roundedness that happens whether and, and you guys have specifically said ladies and you know you talk about the girls and that's important but I'm, if you just tune in I'm talking to the founders of Angel Street Memphis Jill Dyson and Ruth Abigail Smith and what we're talking about is the purpose that these the, the whole ministry literally diving in and being a very critical part to the development of young ladies. Now Jill I'm going to ask you this question because we've talked about this before. When I say development, mm-hmm. you're not only teaching music. You're becoming a part of their life. You're, you've got how many instructors, how many staff members? I mean, you've got a lot of folks that are volunteers and some paid, some volunteers, but you're engaging in the life of this child, this, this young lady, this girl. And you're not just talking about music. You're talking about life. Yes, absolutely. One of our core values is relationships. Um, and I would say that's probably our, our, our most important one because it's our large focus throughout the year. We're, we're building relationships in the community, but specifically with our participants, because we know that that is the, the dynamic that needs to happen to actually move things forward. Uh, we know also it changes our perspective personally. When we build relationships with people, we can see things differently. They allow us space to grow ourselves, and hopefully in turn, we are providing that as well. And so we do see it as a, relationships are crucial to our existence. Um, I I like the fact that you're mentioning relationships because that's a, you know, I know you're working with some adolescent kids, teenagers. That's a tough time. I mean, whether we like it or not, with social media today, I'm thinking about what God's called you to do as you're coming in on equipping these kids. You're, You're really coming along, helping them build relationships. But you're also, Ruth Abigail, you're also kind of coming along and answering some tough questions. I mean, I know these kids have come come in and you know it, they're they're they build a trust with you, and they're willing to ask like life changing questions. Yeah, yeah um, you know one of the things we've been thinking about is how do we define creative leadership and what that really looks like. And so one of the things that uh, th- there are a few things that we think are super important to a creative leader, <clears throat> and one of those things is understanding your value. And and as as we all know with girls, it is um, there's so many messages that we get every day that tries to tell us who we are. And so one of the things that we want to do is underscore who girls really are, regardless of what they're hearing at home, 
what they're hearing in social media, what they're hearing from their friends, even from their teachers, other adults in their life that may be putting them down. We want to make sure that we're uplifting them and figure like this is how this is how leaders are made. First thing, you got to understand your value Um, and then put them in a position once they once they understand their value to then discover their purpose. Why are they here? And those are questions that teenagers are asking every single day. And so we we don't have all the answers, but again, with relationship, we're able to engage in the conversation. You're a part of that trust factor. You develop that, and that's important. Now, I think I, I think it's important, and I, and I don't want us to, to sidestep this. Jill, you know this is a faith-based organization. This is backed by Leadership Foundation of Memphis and the Hope Church, and but it's faith-based. It's just Christ-centered, literally a ministry that's coming in. You may not be preaching all the time, but you're living and building the relationship. You're discipling them. That's right. Um, we are based on faith. You know, all of our leaders and our staff um, are believers, and we do, because of that trust that we have over time and investment in relationships, have a space and a platform to when they do ask us questions that are tough and that they're facing, we get to provide a, a response that we feel is godly because that's what, what leads us individually. And so it just kind of comes through and what we have the opportunity to invest in as we address those issues that are, they're facing so many things that we may not have, have faced individually because, you know, times have changed so much. Um, but our response is pretty, pretty steady. Um, and the way we respond with love, nurture, you know, asking more questions back. Uh, we want to lead in that way, um, and it's been really effective. You know, I, I just think it's important for people to know. Now, listen, this is the purpose. We seek to empower young women to understand their value, discover their purpose, and become creative leaders. Wow. You want to impact our city, our hometown? This is an organization that you need to know more about. AngelStreetMemphis.com. AngelStreetMemphis.com. Or you can call them at 857-3533. Jill Dyson, Ruth Abigail Smith. You need to just get involved. This is a way to have an impact. We can criticize all day long. We can point fingers all day long. Or you can decide, I'm going to step in and do something that I haven't done before. I'm going to be a part of a ministry that literally is having the right kind of impact on our city. When you talk about creative leadership, Ruth Abigail, that's, I think somebody told me the other day, we were doing a a talk program, we were walking through this with another ministry, and they said, well, we so much appreciated you highlighting this ministry, but at the end of the day, they said, we never really understood what they did. I want that to be clear (laughs) this time. I'm thinking, okay, I messed up, you know, I got it. But so clear, when you talk about creative leadership, explain that in a way that you, the listener, the person that I jumped up talking to, you can understand it. I want to understand it. Ruth Abigail, help us. Yeah, so um, what we do to build creative leaders, we do it, like I said, we, we help girls understand with their value, who they are. Um, discover their purpose, and then put in a position to pursue a desired future. Now, we do that through music. Musical training is our biggest avenue that we do that. The things, Some of the things that music does, it builds confidence in girls, value. It builds courage in girls, value. Um, we want to also mentor, right? We, we expose them to other leaders. Um, leadership is important. You can't know how to lead until you, until you see it. Um, sisterhood. 
uh, the the relationship they have with each other and with the, with other peers, huge. And then the concept of love. So those are the traits that are, we see in, in a creative leader. When Jill mentioned relationships and, and that whole idea of that coming together, I like what you said, sisterhood. You know, a lot of times you'll find guys are playing sports, and and and, and maybe if girls are playing basketball or softball, but but here's that person that may not see themselves as an athlete, but they love music. You're touching that 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 group of girls that says, "I don't want to be," you know. I had both my daughters were athletes, but I remember having one granddaughter now that says, "I don't want to sweat." <laughs> I mean, so what, she just was the had the starring role. I have to brag on her. Hey, she had the starring role in Mary Poppins at her high school. She was Mary Poppins, and she has got a voice. She did not get it from her grandpa. She got it from her grandmother. <laughs> but reality is, that's what we're talking about. She doesn't want to do that. She saw it in music. She saw it in entertainment. And that's given her a self-esteem and the respect that she has, that self-respect. That's important. Yeah, sisterhood, it, like you said, is is a huge part of that um, intentional focus that we have. We want to really develop healthy dialogue, um, resolution of conflict within our team of girls. And so, when you're dealing with a broad age of eight to eighteen, which is the participants that we engage, we just want to make sure that we create a space of sisterhood so that everyone feels safe. Everyone feels supported. And when there is conflict, which often we, we come into um, that on a daily basis, um, conflict is a part of life. And so how are we responding to that? And so it just gives us additional opportunities to invest in healthy ways to do that. Um, and so we are all about teamwork. You just mentioned athletics. It does that naturally. It brings people together. Uh, we want to create that same bond and that same experience for our participants. Um, and you have a group of ladies that tour. I mean, actually go around the city and uh, put on concerts. Uh, tell me about that. I mean, you've got, uh, I mean, they're good. I mean, I need people to hear this. <laughs> and Listen, getting even better. <laughs> they are good. And you need to understand, you want them to come to your corporation, your business place of business, your church, Ruth Abigail, Jill Dyson. All you got to do is call them at 857 3533 Give them an opportunity to display their talent. It is amazing. Yeah, that's one of the things that um, I love. And when, when we say, okay, when nobody's ever heard us before and there's a group of young girls that are coming, it's, oh, that's so cute. You know, they're, they're going to be great. But then they're blown away, away, right, by the talent because it's not just like we work. <laughs> like we work and they work. They don't just show up just to show up. They work hard and they are getting good, better than they than they ever have been. Um, and that's a true testament to our team. We have an insane team um, of, of women that, that are great at their craft. And so they are good. And we are blown away sometimes at yeah. the talent, especially as, as we see it grow over time. You know, I, I want to make sure that everybody understands that you can simply get to them by angelstreetmemphis.com, angelstreetmemphis.com or 857-3533. You got a golf tournament coming up. I that golf tournament has turned into a big part of the funding, mm -hmm. Jill, that is so critical. This doesn't happen just because, you know, you've got a couple of donors. There's a plethora of people out there involved and the golf tournament really shows up big. That's right. We had such great support last year. It was our first year to execute it. We had to push back and postpone it for a year because of pandemic. Um, and we were blown away by the support we received. It was a very um, successful first event. Um, we are holding it again this year, have 
great support started already. There's plenty of room for playing and and getting a team together, um, but also sponsorship opportunities. That's how we make a real large portion of our income for that event. And it is our major fundraiser for the year. So and really when is helps. that this year? What is that this it's year? It's going to be on October 24th. It's a Monday out at Spring Creek Ranch. So an awesome opportunity awesome to opportunity play an incredible play course. Break. Yeah, that's right. right. October um, the 24th. That's right. You need to put that on your calendar. You need to be a part of this. You need to be sensitive to when you find a ministry that's having an impact on North Memphis as these ladies are having, you need to make sure you are involved. That's important. So again, that telephone number is 857-3533. What's else? What's coming up fall performances? I mean, yeah, I want to know where they are so I can show up. We we are really booked for the fall. So one of the first, one of the coolest things, I think, we get to perform at the newly, I guess, renamed Overton uh, Shell Park. And so that is um, on September 30th. We will be there. Um, look for the details um, on online and, and follow us on social media, um, Angel Street Memphis, Facebook, Instagram, and we will be promoting it. But September 30th, 30th will be kind of our first debut, if you will, uh, for the fall. And then we're, we're also performing at different churches, um, a couple of other a couple of other places in around the city. So and we're happy to just follow our social media. We'll show you where we are. You know, that's the exciting part. September the 30th, that's at the new, I don't know the new name of, uh, what is it? Over, so, Overton Park Shell. I, Shell. I, I miss, messed that up. Well, Overton Park, Park Shell. Shell. Uh-huh. That's good enough for me. That's good. <laughs> uh, you know, I've been there many, many times, and uh, it's a great venue, and I, I so much appreciate you sharing that. September the 30th, if you want to hear the ladies sing, these young girls that are absolutely amazing, you don't want to miss that. That's important. Julius, uh, tell us what can we do to help. Talk well, about development. Yeah, following us is a great way to start just the process of knowing what our needs are because we're always going to post that, um, whether it's an event or a specific focus or sometimes an appeal for a need that we have that's tangible, back-to-school items to um, just support throughout our year. Um, so there's many ways you can do that. Volunteers, um, what we'll need for hands-on um, relationship power partners. Um, we have some incredible programs that Ruth Abigail has taken our team to a level that really focuses so much on growth and depth. Um, and it's been really fun to watch, even with all of the challenges the past two years have thrown at us. It's been a really um, energizing thing to watch us rise to the top of that uh, challenge, but also to like thrive forward with major impact on the individuals in which we engage. And I'm, I'm really impressed with the offerings programmatically that she could probably tell you a little bit more about, or you can just plug in and find those things out for yourself. And we would love to have you come and see it all. Yeah, I need to get Tyler to wake up one of these days, the producer of the program. And maybe, Tyler, we could bring in the ladies and have them sing here. I That's what we ought amazing. to think about. That would be, that'd be, that'd be, that'd be awesome. I'd love to have a concert <laughs> awesome. right here in the studio. That would be fabulous. Get me some coffee, Jim. Okay, I got you some coffee. <laughs> all right, partner. I want to thank these ladies, Jill Dyson, Ruth Abigail Smith. That's from Angel Street. Of course, Scott Jordan from Shoemaker Financial. If you have questions, for Jill or Ruth Abigail, you can reach them at 
801-857-3533. That's 901-857-3533. Or go to angelstreetmemphis.com. If you have questions for Scott, that's easy to do. Just simply 901-757-5757. You can find our show, Talk Money, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. That is so important. Next week, my guest, Micah Powell, Fundamentals of a long-term financial plan. We've got questions about that. We're going to go through that and dive into it. Ted Miner's going to be here. He's going to help retirees avoid tax traps when it comes to Social Security. And Daniel Irwin from the Better Business Bureau, New Scams in 901. You don't want to miss that. That's Saturday mornings at 7 a.m. and Sunday at 12 noon. If you have questions, send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. I want to thank my producer, Tyler Springs, our guest in content coordination, Francis Fortner, production assistant, Lauren Norsworthy, and compliance officer, Mr. Tommy Armstrong. Thank you for listening. We're here every week helping you make the most of your money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. This has been Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker on News Talk 98.9.